4: The following is a presentation of the Four Center Podcast Feed.
5: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed. I'm Ken Napsok.
6: And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episodes. The Cues stands for questions, and the news is short for news. And yet, it isn't. Because it's the whole word. But there's a lot of news, so we're going to talk about all of it.
5: A lot of uh, a lot of things. Uh, yeah, we might go in deep on one topic today. It's a one-topic day. And we also have some uh, great questions, as we 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 always do. We always do. But man, every week, uh, Joseph, you pull some great ones that just uh, take my mind all over the Star Wars galaxy. So we're gonna get to that. But before we do that, we, as always, I'd uh, like to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a thirty-day free trial at Audible Trial dot com slash force center over one hundred eighty thousand titles to choose from for your iphone android kindle or mp3 player a little bit later as always we we'll have our force center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us and we're not done there joseph
6: no, we are not. We have another offer. It is from Insight Editions. They are a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books. Insight Editions is offering 35% off across their website with a special Force center code. To get your discount, you can enter the coupon code FC35 or visit the website with this link, insideeditions.com/slash discount slash FC35. This week. We're recommending the Inside Edition's book, Secrets of the Jedi. We recommended it last week, and I'm recommending it again, as if to underline and highlight it, because I really do love this book. I think it is really worth people checking out. Uh, In particular, there is a companion book coming out uh, relatively soon about the Sith, so I think if people are interested in this kind of thing, this is a great time to check out Secrets of the Jedi, so you're all ready for Secrets of the Sith. You can check it out with the code FC35. We like
5: secrets. And we like the Jedi, so check that <laughs> out at FC35. As always, Joseph and I, I, love to catch up on our news show with each other because we're pals as well, and we all consider uh, we consider you all pals out there in the Force Center world, so we'll catch up on life, but also Star Wars adventures because often they are connected. Uh, Joseph, um, uh, always a lot of things going on in our lives, uh, but we're able to uh, enjoy life, number one, and two, and enjoy Star Wars <laughs> Yeah, I was able to enjoy life this week. How
6: weird is that? Uh, no, uh, it was a very nice uh, weekend. Uh, obviously, a longer weekend uh, on Saturday. Uh, we had uh, was it Saturday? Yes, it was Saturday. How did days work? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, my wife, Sarah, and I uh, were invited to be guests on uh, Molly Damon's uh, wonderful show uh, uh, with her co-host, Jill. Uh, uh, happy hour. And that was was really fun. Uh, Great to spend some time with uh, Molly and Alex and Jill and her husband, Sean. And that was all very fun. And it was uh, just a, hey, let's have tequila and put makeup on one another and then uh, talk about Star Wars as well. And it was really fun because it wasn't just a let's break down Star Wars. It was the point of the show. Happy hour is to really just have an online hangout. So when we talked about Star Wars, it really did uh, have that that flavor that you and I talk about, Ken I' yeah. just you know hanging out on the playground or the bar, <laughs> yeah, and just chatting uh and so there was some fun Star Wars chatting and then on Sunday, yep, I have now mastered days. It was Sunday uh on Sunday, uh I had a life adventure, Ken it was sort of a a follow up to one of our recent episodes. Mm. Uh, we did an episode just diving deep into Dexter's diner, that whole scene, yeah, yeah. and we both talked about uh, oh, want to go to a diner. And, you know, fully vaccinated, things are are opening up uh, where it's all good to go. Uh, My wife and I went to a great diner Mm. in Pasadena called Pie and Burger. Uh,
5: Have you been to Pie and Burger? I, I have been to Pie and Burger. I have. And that, sir, is a great choice.
6: It was, oh, it was so good. Uh, it's the, very Dexter's Diner. I kept just expecting to hear a voice say, well, what do you know? Um, there, <laughs> you know, it's the counter. It's the old school food. Been there since 1963. Mm. Absolutely great. Uh, there's a, a great bookstore uh, relatively close by called Romans, which we hadn't been to before, but it's also been there for a super long time. And uh, here I'll reveal right on the podcast and everything, Ken. Mm. uh, I picked up two copies for us of the Dooku Jedi Lost script book. uh, We've been wanting to, we we reviewed the actual audio. We've been wanting to read the script book. So it was a nice Star Wars adventure to be sitting in a diner uh, with copies of that book (laughs) tucked under the counter uh, and think about Dex a little bit.
5: Yeah, that's a very Attack of the Clones adventure. Oh, that's awesome. Great stuff. Yeah,
6: Yeah, I went to the library and then I went to the diner just like Obi-Wan Kenobi.
5: Ah, oh, you're you're living the life of your hero, and you uh, end up <laughs> in a, a dream. <laughs> Exactly, exactly.
6: So that, those are my life and Star Wars adventures. Very nice to get some time to hang out with friends and to relax and and begin the emergence into the world. Uh, how about you? What what were your adventures?
5: Uh, you know, uh, uh, less uh, glamorous, other than some some fun stuff related to uh, Grace and I's uh, engagement, our forever families we call it. So. That's and, pretty glamorous. Yeah, family times, uh, some stuff on, uh, uh, you know, virtual stuff, getting families from all around the world. Uh, all, well, uh, yeah, no, all around the country, I should say. I don't want to lie and say the world. Um, but uh, so a lot of Grace's families out in Minnesota, so that, that's kind of another world, right? <laughs> it is. It very much is. <laughs> so we did that, but it's always. Um, and I, I recovered last week. I got my second shot, and and. Uh, I think by the time you and I were recording Star Wars, Ranked and Bad Batch, it was okay. But it, it it took a it took a lot of energy. It took a chunk out of my my week, so it was kind of a slower week for me, which was nice. Um, but I will say, being on on the call with uh, I've I've met or spoken to most of her family before, um, so no no stress and pressure there. And her her, her parents are very um, supportive of all, of all the things I do, and actually listen to a lot of things I do, which is great. But um, to to explain to some other family members like what I do. Is is such a weird thing now, right? Or even explain it to to other folks, like where you're like, "Why well, I, I podcast about Star Wars professionally?" You know, <laughs> like what do you mean, like like a lot of my bills are paid from my work talking about Star Wars.
6: <laughs> so, but you, you just you like you just say you like Darth Vader, and then people give you money. What? Yeah, yeah.
5: How does that work? Yeah. Um. And that. Yeah. Yeah. It's always fun. It's great, and we love it. And you know, it's. Uh, I'd say a big part of what you and I do, but also a, a part of a, a larger picture of what you and I do here in uh, living out here in LA, chasing dreams and whatnot. But uh, that's a big part. And it's what uh, what I think you and I are currently most known for. Now that it's about what, what, who knows you, but um, there's a funny story where I just was in Prescott, uh, Arizona, which is a small uh, Northern uh, Arizona town and uh, with, with family out there at uh, Grace's family. And, I was recognized one time. This is like a year and a half ago. And the family has never forgot that. It's, now, it's one person that just randomly happened to be there, right? It, we're, I'm, you and I, we're not Brad Pitt and George Clooney, okay? I mean, no. I, mean I think we're as good In people. many different ways. <laughs> but, and so the family, so to have to, so, so it really, it just bends people's mind in a wonderful way. Where they just, it's a, it's a profession. <laughs> Podcasting in general, but specifically Star Wars. That stuff you liked as a kid? yeah yeah so it's we're blessed joseph and i were blessed but it's always fun and a little awkward
6: yes yes to try to explain it uh one of the last times i was in minnesota uh one of uh sarah's relatives one of my in-laws is very very kindly really trying to understand everything that i do and and uh you do and and lots of people in los angeles who are trying to make it all work by doing two or three different things (laughs) that all connect around the same passion uh and he was like you know what you are you're a hunter and gatherer. <laughs> you just go out there and you find stuff and you and you bring it
5: back, right? <laughs> uh that is so accurate. It's scary. We we are uh pop culture frontiers people. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
6: What's over the hills? Uh you know, how do we ford this river called the Bad
5: Batch? Uh we are the Jeremiah Johnsons of Star Wars podcasting. <laughs> There's a reference for you kids. <laughs> that's awesome uh so yeah great and then yeah, i and i first week i didn't watch like a star wars movie other than bad batch or something we had to watch i i worked out to rewatching hot fuzz which is one of my favorite uh, uh oh. movies um and that was it was weird Joseph. And i know you've been doing a lot of reading lately of like non-star wars books which i need to do as well i have a stack i've read two non-star wars books yes it's amazing <laughs> and uh, yeah, anyone listening knows there's just so many we're so blessed with star wars books and we love covering them but sometimes you're just like Oh, yeah, a long time ago. Here we go again. The galaxy far, far away. I just want to read about the USFL. Oh, my God, please. <laughs> um, So I, I was going to work out to like a Star Wars film. Uh, You get on the treadmill and I was like, eh, I'm going to watch Hot Fuzz, which has Star Wars references in it. So <laughs> it counts.
6: Yes, it does. Hot Fuzz, one of the greatest comedies ever made, in my opinion. I am right there with you on that.
5: So, uh, From uh, our life in Star Wars adventures, we're going to dive headlong into the news here, like set up top. Only a couple stories here, but uh, we are going to dive into this headline from last week. Uh, we're titling this, J.J. Abrams to plan or not to plan. a look at last <laughs> week's kerfuffle. Because, oh, it was a kerfuffle indeed. Uh, so, Joseph, last week, uh, as we know and everyone listening knows, word broke that J.J. Abrams, and I'm, cu- I'm putting giant quotation marks around this, uh, admitted that the Star Wars sequel trilogy should have been planned. Or did he? Question mark, question mark. So, this was an interview with um, Collider. And as we always say, it's, it's not a big deal, but like I, I obviously used to work over Collider Video. Joseph, you come over and, and do a lot of shows there. We'll talk about that as needed. Um, uh, whatever journalistic integrity, we'll expose that. Okay, there you go. Uh, for those who are relatively new to, to listening to Force Center. Uh, he was asked uh, in this interview, in a, in, a, in a big interview, about the 10th anniversary of Super 8, a, a movie a lot of people love. I, I saw that in the theaters and, and, and quite enjoyed that film. And he was talking about that and he was asked uh, directly uh, about uh, the uh, how the Star Wars trilogy, sequel trilogy went in terms of uh, making it and, and planning all that stuff and he, he answers this, um, uh, you just never really know, but having a plan I have learned in some cases, the hard way is the most critical thing because otherwise you don't know what you're setting up. You don't know what to emphasize because if, if you don't know the inevitability, inevitable of the story, uh, well, did I copy that wrong? Uh, you're just as good as your last sequence or effect or joke or whatever, but you want to be leading to something inevitable. Um, so that's the first part of it. We'll get to some other stuff in a second, but I just want to start there, Joseph. This uh, went out as a tweet uh, that, that claimed that this particular quote, which never mentioned star Wars was about the sequel trilogy. So let's start there, Joseph, your thoughts on what we got so far.
6: Yeah. Uh, there, there's a, a lot to have thoughts about because it mm-hmm. it really was a, a storm of uh, discussion on social media, sometimes discussion and sometimes just uh, airing of grievances, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, I think any time that that these uh, discussions and debates uh, come up about what choices were made or were not made about the sequel trilogy in general, about the connective tissue between the sequel trilogy, about the quality of Rise of Skywalker in particular, I always have to just take a big, deep breath myself mm-hmm. and uh, and try to listen to the things that I've learned from Star Wars mm-hmm. <laughs> about coming from a place of, uh, of being calm and uh, certainly being passionate, uh, mm-hmm. but also making sure that you don't lash out based on your passion. Uh, so I always wanted to start these discussions by just acknowledging that I truly respect people that just sit down to watch rise of skywalker or any part of the sequel trilogy and just like i personally don't enjoy that i don't like that uh mm. I, I myself am always very passionate about rise of skywalker because even uh if it has different uh i have a couple of little uh, criticisms or oh, i wish this was a little different or that little different but mm. for me it, it's it's i always have a, such a powerful emotional reaction because to me the rise of skywalker is just it is about empathy it is about how important it is for individuals to find themselves and make uh, choices that are right. And it is that theme of the individual married to the absolute need for family and connection and working together. And that is such a core Star Wars theme to me of you as an individual have responsibility and you must choose who you want to be. Your choices are going to affect others. But also we have to remember that we're all connected and we have to make choices out of kindness and empathy uh, to make things better for everyone and the reason I take a moment to even go into that yeah. is it's just it, it, it's fascinating the way it, it emotionally affects me I'm moved by those themes when I saw the film mm-hmm. every time I see the film so I am poised to be at a place where uh, harsh criticism or angry criticism or criticism saying the film is empty yeah <laughs> I am poised to react because to me it is deeply moving yeah. and I'm going to really make sure in our discussion that even though there's some things I disagree with, there's some things I'm upset about in the discourse, uh, that I try to stay tied to what I love about Rise of Skywalker is that it really advocates, uh, for empathy and connection.
5: Yeah. Yeah 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 and you don't want to go against that theme when diving into the discourse (laughs) exactly
6: and i think it's this strange circle of uh i love this movie because it is so kind and empathetic Mm. and then f you for criticizing it It doesn't really go (laughs) (laughs) go along with it uh and uh but it's also like sometimes i think the criticism for me is even harder because of people who might not like it for whatever reason which is totally legitimate every People have every reason to have, you know, every right to have the emotional reaction that they do or the intellectual reaction that they do. Uh, But it always bothers me that I want other people to feel uh, the depth that I feel. Um, Yeah. So I wanted to lay that out, uh, you know, cards on the table about how I feel about the film and why. Um, Yeah. But my take to to answer your actual question, Ken, Mm, um, I, I think he really clearly did not directly say that this is about Star Wars. Yeah. It absolutely could be. But I think it's important to acknowledge that there's a huge amount of ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they did post the the full interview. Uh, and it's a great little interview. And it, it's not that long. Mm-hmm. And it is mostly about Super 8. Uh, and then the question is framed about, uh, from the interviewer, is really framed about, I thought it was really fascinating that this handoff and, and I really thought that was a great, uh, interesting idea for you to start the trilogy and then hand it off to Ryan Johnson. But then there are these criticisms that it should have been planned. What do you think about that? So even the question is framed, I think, in a, in a friendly and, mm-hmm. and positive way. It's not framed as a uh, could you <laughs> confirm that you screwed up, you know? Yeah, it's not a good uh, yeah, it's not a gotcha in the context of the of the actual interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, about Super Eight, and, and I think it's important that I- in some of the pull quotes, the way that Abrams begins to respond is saying, "I've been involved in a number of projects that have been, in most cases, series that have ideas that begin the thing where you feel like you know where it's going to go," mm-hmm. and and then he goes on to make it clear in what he's saying next that when he says series, he means television series. Yeah, so I, I think. It is very possible that he is talking about Star Wars, but he is very clearly talking about many projects. He says again and again, "I've learned through all these different projects." Yeah, uh, which you know, Felicity alias uh, he he was not as responsible for Lost as sometimes people paint him out to be, but right, right. he started that off. Uh, Mission Impossible, uh, Star Trek. He talks later in the uh, interview about projects that he's working on right now or has been working on over the whole pandemic. He ends the interview by talking about how great it was to have this unplanned break in production where the writing team had even more time to develop this new show uh, that he's working on, DemiMond. Mm. Uh, so all of these answers are framed from a, I, I hear J.J. <laughs> mm. uh, Abrams getting asked a question about Star Wars, and then he answers in a very big picture way. So I think it's totally fine to read that Star Wars is one of the things that he's talking about, but I think it's important to acknowledge there's a lot more ambiguity and complexity to the actual response than a simple, I think in some ways the tweet presented it as somebody asked JJ Abrams if there should have been a plan to Star Wars and he said, yeah, (laughs) and it is not as clear cut as that.
5: It's a hundred percent not. I mean, I I keep joking. It's most likely about mission impossible, but uh, you know, with your last sequence effect or joke, but uh, we we don't want to be disingenuous. Yeah. He absolutely was probably referring, like you said, to a bunch of those things, star Wars included. And there's a follow-up we'll touch upon in a second that, um, uh, that, uh, that, that that just paints even a bigger picture of what he was talking about there. So uh, yeah, it's just, I use the word kerfuffle. That's a nice jokey word about it, but it, 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 I, 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 going back to even how you started this uh, conversation, Joseph, like, yeah, I, I go to that, too. And and you want to you want to make sure you're you're not uh, becoming what you f- fight against. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's something uh, that that I, I, it's why I've disconnected a little bit more on social media, because not that I don't I don't I've never been a tweet. I'm going to I'm going to at somebody and tell them what I think. I, I've never been that, but I'll carry it with me and I'll carry the anger and rage to to my bed <laughs> you know, where I'm up <laughs> all night. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, writers and other creatives, professional creatives who, who just have a negative opinion of certain creators and, and uh, the films themselves, which are theirs to have. And there's always going to be behind the scenes stories that seem to factor in whether true or not. You form your pin off that, opinion off that. So I try to start there. And I, I did. I saw one particular tweet, won't name it, but like they were just like, you don't know what to think about Rises of Skywalker. There's no theme in it. You 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 come out of that not knowing what to think. And I disagree with that, whatever, every fiber of my being, but I can't carry that in the conversation. I can't carry that in any tweets. And I just have to kind of put that on the shelf. But it's hard. And we're going to talk about a little about that here as well, but some of our fandom foundations that's hard for me to do and so when i see this explode i don't even i don't even click on the stories because i just i just i'm like i can't dive into these waters um but then once you do and i think it's important to to do that right joseph to actually go Mm -hmm. let me see for myself uh is there some stuff in the past with boyega and he said some stuff very directly about star wars that are very valid and some are his experiences and some are his opinions uh and i think giant general way we support that guy and, and and listen to his experiences making the movie. But I need to see for myself because the tweets and the headlines can just spin it so many different ways as we know. So I think it's important. Uh, the big lesson is um, to make the choice to dig in for yourself and just see what's there to start, you know?
6: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it is so important to try to read the whole thing and not respond to just the tweet. We know that you know just reacting to a a tweet uh is not always reacting with the full information right. and i think that's probably the thing that was most most frustrating in the kerfuffle to me is the reaction to the tweet not
5: the not the full thing yeah and part of the full thing here i have a little uh excerpt of this quote you might even have the full quote joseph uh, there but he 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 also goes on to talk about plans he being jj that uh sometimes plans can, can get in the way saying sometimes when it's not working out it's because it's what you've planned and other times when it's not working out it's because you didn't have a plan so we've talked about this before uh here in force center it's a creative process uh the filmmaking a lot of people tweeting out and talking yeah george shouldn't have a plan which is true and, and not true, depending on when you talk to George. Uh, <laughs> there was definitely an overall vibe and feeling, but yeah, yeah, obviously, famously, even in the prequels. Uh, I need to change course. I feel I need to go this way. We've talked about it even recently with canon stuff, where, what color was that lightsaber? Uh, how did canon lose his master? All those kind of things. And, and the edges become blurry because the story dictates uh, the need for this particular detail at the time. We've talked a lot about that there, but Thoughts overall on the idea of uh, planned or unplanned, particularly around this sequel trilogy, Joseph? That's a big question I'm asking, but just some thoughts.
6: Yeah, I think just in general for the creative process, I really think that a plan mixed with the ability to adapt and change that plan is the best creative expression. You know, you go even to the themes of Star Wars about um, a Jedi needing to train and master their abilities, but also adapt to the situation and not get too rigid and be willing to say, oh, well, I've really been thinking about things this way, but now there's a new idea and I need to adapt and evolve. Uh, you know, it's it's a philosophy that a lot of stories tell. It's a philosophy that Star Wars certainly tells. And it's something that I experienced myself uh, as a creator. I'm going through this right now with a script I really like that started with a core idea of I think that the hero's main desire is this. And I finished a draft and finished another couple drafts and realized that I need to make a tweak because with everything else that grew up around my plan, which was very, very planned, every scene outlined, Mm. realized, oh, you know, her initial motivation should shift a little bit. And then all of these other new pieces we'll sing together like yeah. her original motivation is now singing in the wrong key. So I should just shift her motivation a little bit. And that is for me, like an example of, yeah, you plan,
5: but then you adapt, you, you be creative, you play, you know? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. And and it's sometimes by necessity. And, and uh, Joseph and I have been writing most of our lives, actually, quite frankly, uh, working in different capacities. So we don't mean to just sit, sit here and talk from the, the chair of creative. And a lot of people listening are creatives and, in the business or outside the business want to get in the business or just have written on their own time and uh, we love and value creative expression but there's valuable lessons to be learned in the actual process of it and yeah I've animated show for 11 years it's we have the core of it it's still there and by that I mean the four main characters are still there <laughs> everything else around it at one point or another has changed or changed back depending on notes depending on who you're pitching to depending on how the format you want to get made. Is it a short film? Is it an animated feature? Is it animated series? What is it? And you always have to change. And then you find new things along the way. I think sometimes the lesson is knowing maybe when to stop and when to say it's done, which is <laughs> never. And it's, it's never done. And that's why the editing and, and stuff in Rise of Skywalker and uh, uh, this fa- fascination with director's cuts, which to me has been the last 10, 15 years, of uh, really the director is the star, like they're cut and everything. Like It's a weird battle. It's a weird process. And it just, I personally don't react to it needs a plan or even that it needs to be unplanned. I don't react to it like others. Uh, I think maybe in the same boat, Joseph, just like, I just want to make sure the best stories on the screen. And I, I think a lot of people listening support that, Just why another part of this conversation, again, ca- popping back up, it becomes tiresome, frustrating at best. <laughs> Yeah. yeah,
6: absolutely. No, a- absolutely. And I think, I think boiling it down for myself, which everybody should read the article and, and uh, yeah. form their own opinion. But for myself, I feel like what JJ Abrams is saying is, yes, you absolutely have to have a plan. But even when you do, sometimes you need to shift along the way. Yeah. And I think that's a really reasonable thing to say about any creative process. And I think we've got a little bit of an obsession right now because we're focusing so much mm. on on interviews and discussions, yeah, uh, about uh, you know that that a plan is everything, and different different people work differently creatively too. Uh, I also kind of push back on the idea that there is one good way to make something. In that, yes, uh, you know that you need to have a this super concrete plan or not or you have fifty percent plan, fifty percent make it up as you go that there's some magic correct formula for different people, for different processes, for different uh projects, yeah. it works differently, uh, how much of a plan you need. So I think I also just kind of that's a part of what bothers me about this particular discourse too, this idea that, you know, there's a recipe to making all art, all stories, yeah. and it's a gotcha moment if people didn't follow this part of the recipe.
5: Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, from stand-up, something you and I've performed uh, over the decades. I mean, I I could tell you nights where I failed is when I held to my plan the most. <laughs> and
6: yeah, right, you know. And, yeah.
5: and I know, I know that
6: you know we've talked about it a lot. Every everybody in the Star Wars discussion world of any kind, even if your discussion world is just uh, hanging out with pals, uh, have talked about every other trilogy besides a sequel trilogy has adapted and changed it has you know it's it's documented uh the clone wars the uh, mm-hmm. you know animated series we know has uh, adapted and changed um mm-hmm. even the mandalorian has adapted and changed i think they're in such a place of being open to adaptation i personally think that's why there's not books because they want as much elbow room as possible to go uh we have a plan but we want to be able to turn left instead of right. If we suddenly decide that's what is right for us.
5: Yeah. And, and we can analyze the, maybe the, the obsession with that plan. And I think it, it cor- corresponds to the rise in digital movie media discussion and websites, podcasts, and everything, things that you and I have been a part of and are part of this show is part yep. of that world. So we're never going to say we don't like that world. This it's given me that career that I have to try to explain to family members. Um, <laughs> We love it, uh, but it's it's become a bit of an obsession, and I, and, I, and and the Marvel thing. I always go to the MCU thing, which you're a, you're a, um, quite frankly, you could have easily and could still launch Marvel Center. <laughs> uh, because you love it and understand it just as much as Star Wars, where I, where I don't watch it as much or not invested as much. Um, but you know, Joseph, like that the, you uh, the Marvel thing, the Marvel thing. They had a wonderful plan, but I, I think along the way they they adapted every step, right? I mean, it's oh
6: yes, MCU is not looked at through the same lens as something like Star Wars for lots and lots of different uh, different reasons. But yeah, I mean, things like yeah, uh, Steve and Sharon Carter kissing mm-hmm. in civil war and they're like nah we're not going anywhere with that <laughs> you know those things happen and they don't i don't bring it up to be like we should have viral angry tweets about that right, it, right. the total opposite you know we should yeah. be uh open I, I think
5: yeah i just think that things boil down and not just the movie discussion words but they just boil down to not even this binary yes or no right or wrong but just like yeah it it, it becomes the general conversation for those who maybe aren't as invested and God bless. I wish I sometimes wasn't as invested in some of this stuff. Again, <laughs> thankful what's, ha- what's happened to my life and career, but you know, it's like you, you go to your friends at a barbecue or something and they're like, Oh yeah, you know, Star Wars. I heard they didn't have a plan. MCU had a plan. That's all, that's all they, that's as far as they go. And that becomes the critique, whether it's true yeah. or not. And that's part of what was, this happened again this last week where it's like that, that just these two billboards plan or no plan. And yes. There's the two absolutes that we must decide of what this trilogy was or was
6: Yeah, and all of that, to me, that kind of thing boils down to th- the conversation has now shifted, right? Now we're talking about these little uh, just uh, tip of the iceberg of an idea, but yeah. not the actual iceberg. We're not talking about, as I know we're going to get into, the actual film, yeah. you know? We're talking about the creator's We're talking about our our shortened versions of interviews with the creators. (laughs) And we're getting so far from talking about the actual stories and planned or unplanned matters if you as an individual perceive damage Mm -hmm. in the actual story. Mm
5: -hmm.
6: And but we're getting so far away from that. It's just exactly as you're saying. It's just it's just a billboard. It's just a headline. MCU plan. Good. Yeah. Star Wars. No plan. Bad. And at that point, the ideas have become so truncated mm-hmm. that we, I don't feel like we are actually talking about the thing anymore.
5: Correct. Correct. Uh, and, and, and I did want to talk about that. Overall plan or not. All right. So if in, in 2013, uh, Kathleen Kennedy grabs J.J. Abrams, uh, Ryan Johnson and some producers and goes, here's what we're doing for 7, 8, and 9. Whether that happened or not, or whether you feel that should happen or not. Let's talk about Rise of Skywalker, which was a, a movie written and then shot and then edited and re-edited and written on the set and shot and 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 they put it together. To me, I, I put this to you, Joseph, here. I, it was created with its own plan that looked back successfully or, or otherwise, depending on, I guess, your opinion, at the previous films. It's something that we that's a point of view we ha- kind of have collectively or Force Center. So this discussion of what was planned or not. If seven and eight were completely unplanned and they were improv movies, <laughs> like a Christopher Guest <laughs> movie or Larry, David Kirby, we have a treatment. Let's go make it up as we get out there, which, by the way, that's that's a pinpoint accurate type of improv. Anyways, um, let's just say seven eight nine were wildly crazy. Make them up movies. <laughs> JJ, Chris Terrio, the Ms. Michelle Reguant, the entire team come out the, to make these movies. They It had its own plan to me.
6: Oh, yeah. And I think this is where I get frustrated, where I feel like we are talking about either just these really truncated talking points, or we're talking about uh, the interviews uh, with the different creators, or we're talking about our expectations going in. And I feel like we're not doing what I personally want to do, which is talking about the stories themselves. And this is one of the things that I feel most strongly about. I know there are people who say, like, when they watch Rise of Skywalker, they don't think it has any connection to previous star Wars films or to the original trilogy or to the last Jedi, and you know, these various things. And, uh, I feel like, of course people can have that opinion and that analysis. And if they want to write an essay uh, about exactly how they think it doesn't connect, I will happily read it. But for myself, I feel so strongly that the rise of Skywalker, uh, and the sequel trilogy in general mm. holds together very well. I think there are some flashy things in the sequel trilogy that we get really distracted by uh, Mm -hmm. about, Ooh, we, uh, we think that Ryan Johnson was going this direction. Uh, So then that's all we're focusing on that Mm -hmm. JJ Abrams seemed to go the other direction or whatever. Uh, But I think if you just wipe away some of those interviews and look at the story, uh, look at the, the arc Mm -hmm. through those films that is completed in rise of Skywalker. Um, Ray not knowing how to use her power being concerned about it which she directly expresses to luke in the last jedi uh that through line of of rays of uh, what do i do with this power is completed in rise of skywalker uh ray from her very introduction being alone and scratching numbers uh on a wall to to keep track of how long she's been alone ray wanting connection and needing that connection goes all the way through the sequel trilogy. Uh, Kylo having a troubled relationship with the past, with mentors, with his parents specifically, gets resolved in Rise of Skywalker. You know, Poe's arc to become a leader. Finn's arc to become someone who cares about the mission. Uh, In particular, for like just the big picture story of the sequel trilogy. I think this theme of the spark of hope becoming a flame, it's there in Force Awakens, uh, ryan johnson brilliantly gives that name to it that description to it the spark of hope becoming a flame and then the flame erupts and rises skywalker you know it, there's so much that's there you know the younger generation learning from the past and moving forward i feel like you can you can sit and, and watch the film and say i dislike it you mm-hmm. can say ah i see those themes are there but i don't think they were executed well the part I have a real problem with is the idea that those themes and storylines aren't there.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I do too. I, I, you know, not to. We 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 are trying to. We, we'll fight our own dark side here. Uh, and and we, we, Joseph and I, off air, we're like, let's make sure we check ourselves uh, as we need. But I, <laughs> did I, I get yeah. a little dark side there? No, no you didn't. No, you didn't. Because I'm a. I could potentially be about to. Because you know, uh, uh, I'm going to mention Game of Thrones. No, um, I, I get. Uh, you know, all oh, that thing in season two of Game of Thrones. They dropped. They never picked up that plot. And it was never intended to be a plot. It's a scene. It's a moment. It's a character that brings us insight into another character, right? I'm not even going to go into specific examples because it it doesn't – what I'm thinking of, it's a Jorah moment. It does not tie into the big picture and blah, blah, blah. And I still have some friends who are like, oh, and they dropped that plot. And I'm like, that wasn't a plot. Stop saying it was a plot. <laughs> Stop writing essays and going on shows and saying, oh, they didn't connect. They didn't connect. But that's not what that was not what was intended. Check with the themes. Lead with the themes. Uh, I am forever grateful, uh, Joseph, to have you around these parts and, and help us lead with the themes here at Fort Center, which is not the only way to watch these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I get frustrated when when you when I see some discussions just not. Just about leading with the themes, but not talking about what's in the stories. That's why your your idea of engage with the story that's presented to you is so powerful and resonates with a lot of our listeners and a lot of other podcasters who are, are friends of ours. It's, it's it's because it doesn't make everything right. The things you have problems with, Rise of Skywalker, uh, don't go away. You know the lack of you know Kelly Marie Tran is 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 Rose that that doesn't go away because of the theme but you get enjoyment out of the movie a little bit, maybe more. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's still separate discussion. Um, yeah. Anyways, I'll pull back. Uh, cause I'll get mad about Jorah Mormont stuff. Uh, <laughs> but that's, and that was, that's where the discourse flames up again. And that's where I start to just, I, I shut down and I go milk a Thal-Siren and hang out by the ocean.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that is, uh, the right thing to do. Um, yeah. is is to try to take a step back. Uh, I, I, I wrote down even more big Star Wars themes that I think are present in Rise of Skywalker, but I, I can even, I can hold back. I'll hold back.
5: <laughs> I mean, you know, they're always fun to hear. Yeah. No, they're always, they're always, well, even, even and, and I do, you know, some memes sometimes go out that are like, yeah, it just, cause, cause memes, the reason they travel so fast, they can carry bad information. They can carry one sided information or not the whole story, but sometimes they cut to the quick and they cut to the core. And that one, I think you, I think you mentioned it recently, uh, if I'm not, uh, I think last week of, of yeah of Anakin Skywalker. Uh, Mom, you say no. The problem problem is no one helps each other. Cut to there's more of us, Poe. There's more of us, Poe. That's episode one to episode nine. <laughs> the theme, yeah, are there. yeah, and I
6: yeah, I mean he found family. You know the, the the tension between the new and old, that generational battle of what can you learn and and what can you avoid? Uh, fear versus hope, predetermined destiny versus personal choice. The, the film Rise of Skywalker is built around these foundational Star Wars themes, in, uh, in my opinion. So that is the part of the discussion that does get to me, Ken. I think I think the non-discussion, I think the the truncated Twitter version of these big discussions is what troubles me the most.
5: Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. So I'll take a sip of water uh, and I'll come back down uh, off, off the mountain. <laughs> Mount uh
6: we, we we can get real angry about jorah mormont <laughs>
5: discourse uh off, off air yeah one of my favorite characters and not everything handled perfectly but anyways um uh um Quaith was not a storyline people she was not a storyline on the show uh so all right um uh, i do want to talk <laughs> about this so um there is this, again, with the rise of digital media, something I love. I, I come from a sports background in terms of just being a sports fan. I uh, don't talk about it as much. I'm, I also don't watch it as much because Star Wars came back and just absolutely took over every moment of section, section of my life, uh, which I'm happy for. Uh, I come from the world of pro wrestling, which means I, I actually been in the world. I worked. I've been in a match. I've managed. I've run a wrestling company in and out of 20 years. And, and so I disconnected from those worlds. In a, a little bit in uh, 2012 The 14-15 range, Joseph Because I got tired of some of the Discourse that happened every week there nothing That that just, just was Took away from the joy of it And then this this business Kind of builds up and there's this I see some of the same things of the There's these obsession with these Behind the scenes stuff uh, Clubhouse stuff, locker room stuff A lot of people think they know what goes on In wrestling locker rooms and they wouldn't even be allowed In one and I get from a fan perspective I get it. but when you start becoming an expert on something it, it runs it rubs me a little bit the wrong way and I, I want to kick this to you if just there's an obsession with what is the, the behind the scenes, the storyline planning, the writing. In the film filming process and who was making the projects. And I will say this does not include important conversations about um diversity and, and behind the scenes stuff and, and rooting for people to take it, or being excited. You know, we're excited Leslie Headland's got the acolyte coming. We are we're excited, Deborah Child's working with uh uh you know on Obi-Wan. We're excited you McGregor's producing and starring in Obi-Wan. That kind of stuff is not what I'm talking about, but just this uh, JJ. And, and before that, it was Ryan and everyone becomes obsessed <laughs> with them and, and, and hating them and fighting them and tearing them down and every word they say where JJ has been pretty like you you mentioned too, even just like, hey, you know, opening weekend, people are a little upset. Yeah, they're right to be if, if it's that's their take on the film, that's their take on the film, says JJ, as he handles it wonderfully uh, as water rolls off his back uh, where I'd be uh, pounding a table. So anyways, all that yeah. m- monologue to say, Joseph, what, what do you feel about just that part of this discussion?
6: Well, I, I I will very quickly follow the uh, little tributary of thought that you went down. Is yes. I I do I. I I think uh, I think as creators, I think uh, Ryan Johnson is amazing. I think J.J. Abrams is uh, amazing. But I, I will say, like Abrams, uh, both Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams have handled the difficulty of being in this Star Wars spotlight incredibly well. But in particular, because we're talking about Abrams, yeah, he gave that quote opening weekend of you know what do you say to people who uh, have real problems with Rise of Skywalker? And He said, "They're right. Whatever your opinion is, you're right. I made it. Now you react." Mm-hmm. Amazing. He's he's going to do interviews about the 10th anniversary of super eight he could say do not say the word star wars but no he just answers a question knowing full well so i have a lot of respect for that that he engages and he tries to give the most honest answer as a creator as possible you know yeah so i I just think that there's a lot of um i have a lot of respect for that yeah um yeah in, in terms of just the i love hearing from the creators it's always interesting um But I feel like especially when creators are talking about things that have just come out, I feel like it is as a culture that we're obsessing on them in a way that sometimes we're not reacting to the story. Mm -hmm. We're reacting to the interview. Um, If something in a movie was open for interpretation and then a creator will say, no, I, I decided to do X and it means X, then we're all focused on that and that's not actually the story that was an actual experience of seeing it and coming to our own emotional conclusion about what the truth was in the film that's us responding to a QA. and a and I just don't think that that is as interesting and as valuable and I think it just it really colors how we see um, films right yeah and I think sometimes when we think we're debating you know does the sequel trilogy hold together uh do the last jedi and rise of skywalker work hand in hand or do they they squabble with one another i think we're not always talking about the stories i think a lot of times we're talking about the interviews um yeah. and i and that's just not as as gratifying to me because i i think it takes away from joy i i, I this is the way i thought about it ken mm-hmm. do you think right now in the year 2021 uh a 10 year old who is sitting down to watch Return of the Jedi for the first time, do you think they're processing the film through the lens of a Gary Kurtz interview about the Ewoks only being there to sell merch? Is that how they're processing the story? Or are they just seeing the absolute wonder of Jabba and Mm -hmm. (laughs) Luke and Leia and Han and Lando and Wedge for the first time? Are they just seeing... The wonder of a forest where these weird little bears live. Mm. Uh, and yeah. I just think that we all owe it to ourselves not not to just be children, but I think there's an adult side of ourselves that say, yes, movies are made by humans, humans have agendas. we should pay attention to that. we should analyze that. But I don't think we should do it at the sacrifice of totally uh, alienating the open and intuitive and childlike parts of ourselves. That sit down and watch the story and just watch it unfold the way we'd watch oceans, uh, waves crash on the ocean and just emotionally react to what's there uh, the way that we did when
5: we were young. Uh, yeah, yeah that childlike kind of approach. Yeah, because because we talked about how we are, are, we grow up as Star Wars fans and you and I love live, and a lot of our listeners love listening in that world where, hey, now in our mid 40s, what do we take from these stories? What do we go back and, and take from Return of the Jedi that we wouldn't have taken it at seven, but to to try to marry the two and marry that joy with the intellectual thought and or the inspiration. Right, Skywalker is just an inspirational movie for me. That's not for everybody. I get that. Uh, I'm with you on that. I, and, and you know, I go to other examples, particularly in sports. And I say, I, I stop watching sports stuff. I used to be. Eh, I may have mentioned this before in Force Center. I, I apologize if I've gone into it before, but like. I'm a Miami Dolphin fan in football, which is weird. I've never set foot in the city of Miami, but loved them since the 80s. Uh, and I, would, I, I was the guy that woke up, or more, more actually the kid, the teenager, who woke up on Sunday morning, 8 a.m., turned on ESPN, watched every pregame of what the Dolphins were going to do today, what's the plan <laughs> of action, who's, who's the player coming in, all these kind of things, uh, and all the, the rancor and the screaming and the shouting of how, the, how best to win the game, when really I, eventually I was like, I just want to watch the game. And then afterwards we can have some fun discussions. And then later on, I can see a documentary on what happened that season that I didn't know because it was in the locker room. And that's fascinating to me. I'm fascinating with, with stories of Lucas behind the scene stuff. Clearly it's part of the, the legacy of star Wars. Uh, but now there's a, just kind of a obsession the, the rogue one reshoots was kind of a turning point where we were so familiar. It was so reported on factual or not. It just was so part of the weekly discussion that it became parody it became a, it, around Collider offices. It was a joke like Cody Hall and I, if you guys know Cody from Hour Fields, we, we, that was a joke with us. Hey, how's those reshoots today? <laughs> because it was just such a wise part of the conversation when at the end of the day, that third act of Rogue One, which is most of the reshoots, is spectacular. So I'm just concerned with what's there and that. But I'm, I'm not not fascinated with it. I I want a tell-all book of Tony Gilroy and that Edwards trying to work it on out but I don't know why that would fact. I don't want that to factor into my joy or even my breakdowns of the movies. Exactly. And I think that's it. So, that sometimes
6: we are robbing ourselves, uh, I think from our own emotional reaction, and our own intuition, because we are looking at things more as a, a, a fact sheet, right? Of yes, uh, who, who decided what and when, and was it a good decision and did it disagree with that person in real life instead of what did Kylo feel when, when Ray, didn't take his hand mm. what does he feel now that he's been thinking about it for a year and i just i i just it would be i think it's wonderful to have those kind of questions mm. flowing i also just think and you and i are getting to really go through this as the years wane on mm. that there's some like stories of behind the scenes that for you and i from you know our childhood or our teens or whatever like of course we knew that and they're just not a part of the conversation anymore they're not going to get you know big clicks so they're they're not lost to time, but they're not focused on anymore, right? And it's so weird to live through the sequel trilogy where every, you know, personal human decision behind the scenes is, is a bit of news, and a hundred years from now, uh, we'll probably all be dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, nobody's going to remember those interviews, and the stories will be here. You know, that's a hundred years from now. I think there's probably happening right now that young children are just sitting down and watching the sequel trilogy with no baggage and how yeah. will they receive it when they are only processing the story and their own human emotional reaction to it.
5: You, you made me think of some uh, return of the Jedi urban legend behind the scenes story. I, I couldn't tell you a hundred percent true or not. I could go look at my star Wars archives book and maybe get a Lawrence Kasdan quote or something. We all know Han, I thought Han should die. My favorite Kasdan quote from empire dreams, but the, the thought that Lando was going to be the one to die, that Lando and nine of them were not going to get out of that Death Star, uh, whether you, whether true or not, that was on the playground. That was something I grew up with. That. And by the time I got to college, when I was studying screenwriting in Star Wars, we'd sit and watch the, the trilogy, original trilogy in class and take notes about everything. I just imagine that now being used like now it was fun. Like, oh, hey, you know, this moment Lando was supposed to die again, whether true or not, I couldn't tell you. It doesn't matter. But in that moment in 1994 for me in in, in in junior college going, Lando was supposed to die here. So now I'm going to do a video on why that sucked because Lando should have died. <laughs> it, 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 that's where we are now sometimes. And it, we're na- I don't know if we're going back, but but that – that I don't know if that even backs up your point, but you made me think of it. Just that would have been a big hang-up where now it's just a fun little like, hey, Lando survived. Yeehaw! Also, he <laughs> might have maybe died there.
6: yeah and that's a fun thing to discuss if it is truly a fun discussion and i think maybe that's what we're coming back to is clearly the the amount of just anger i saw that was drawn out by the tweet maybe not the interview itself but the tweet itself wasn't a fun discussion it wasn't a fun what if lando died what are the benefits what are the pros and the cons it it generated anger
5: yeah yeah, uh, I, I know we're running along even on this discussion here, but but uh, h- how do we f- do we feel this kind of coverage? Do is this even honest? Was I don't think that tweet was honest for a second. I think it's part of the problem. The interview yeah, might be, might be different, but I I just don't think any of this is honest anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad I I, I did the. The,
6: the work to find the full article that, you know, is is labeled as a discussion about Super 8 in um, the, the full article is is great. It's a really fun and friendly conversation between, you know, an, an entertainment uh, reporter, journalist and a creator and a creator offering a ton of of honesty. So like the article I have, I think was great. Uh, we know we know that that uh, tweets um, can get better. Uh, engagement if they're designed to smack a hornet's nest and (laughs) uh, you know I think it's less a a criticism of any one outlet than a criticism of our culture that we have a discourse right now that is designed to smack a hornet's nest Mm -hmm. and this one in particular I think was frustrating because like we've smacked the same hornet's nest (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Multiple times. And what are we getting out of it? You know, I don't I think I hope, I really, really hope that uh some people are, are able to kind of have a a true human conversation about did you like Rise of Skywalker? Why? Why not? And have a true exchange yeah. uh because of this. Because online I think it's just everybody repeating their feelings again.
5: Yeah. Yeah. No, look, it's look, occasionally sometimes, uh, you know, even on Force Center on some of our news, you know, we'll try to put a catchy headline on it because that's unfortunately how it, how it works. I remember when I first started doing YouTube stuff, I'll use Force Center as an example, but I would have uh, I would just write Force Center episode 327. And a friend of mine, like, hey, dude, this is like in 2012. like you can't you can't do that. You got to like <laughs> put a title like you got a question and always have a question mark. I'm like, what are you? That? I was like, that's. I don't like that. And then, flash forward, you'd be in Jedi Council. You were there for with some of your Jedi Council appearances, uh, which were unfortunately few and far between. But uh, different conversation. But like, you you were there for some of the discussions after the shows, Joseph, where it was like, we were tasked with finding the most. Will Luke Skywalker murder someone in Episode Nine? <laughs> and then you put that tweet out there, and then you get a bunch of people just responding, no, 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 and it's like it, you're yelling at a billboard. Stop. Go listen to the episode. <laughs>
6: Yeah, no, I mean, it's not honest. It's not honest. There is one particular episode where I feel like that I was on Jedi Council where I feel like we had a robust, fun conversation about many topics. And then the title was one question that came at the very end. The title of the video was a question that came at the very end. And it was, you know, do you think... uh, uh, A blank will be blank. And we're all like, interesting, but no. Anyway, thanks for watching Jedi Council. (laughs) And that was our entire engagement on the actual show with the thing. And yet, you know, I know because I check every once in a while, like of my Jedi Council appearances, that's the one that has the most views. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And, And you're rewarded for that. Uh, what you, would you say? Designed to kick a horn's nest. Perfect explanation. Yes. <laughs> um, Starting to wrap up this one here. I, there's a lot to discuss and, and thank you all listening. Uh, we we didn't want to, we didn't want to duck this one in the sense of, not that we'd duck everything, but sometimes we just want to, we really do curate the news we talk about here in Force Center. We want to not dive too much into rumors, too much into leaks and those kind of things. And, and sometimes some of these discourse-based discussions, just we don't feel factors into what we are covering here at Forster. This one we felt really did, uh, it, really did. Um, a couple of big ideas here, uh, Joseph, uh, at the end to round this up here. Um, how do we, you and I even, how do, how do we incorporate these conversations into our, our fandom? Well, again, choosing to not build our fandom on these type of foundations, but not <laughs> wanting to run and hide from criticisms or run and hide from some of the bigger discussions around it. Uh, how do you approach that? Yeah, I mean, I think it
6: is for me, it is really an exercise in trying to engage in a way that is calm and peaceful, like acknowledge, you know, I love this movie. So when people are really viscerally attacking Rise of Skywalker, uh, you know, again, like always, I have a couple of criticisms and some things that ooh, I wish this or wish that uh, all that stuff. I think that's normal. But, you know, I love it so much. Sometimes it feels like when when somebody really comes at it, uh, from a place of anger it feels like attacking a friend (laughs) and i just want to be like don't you don't say that about my pal um and i think these it's valuable to have these conversations for me to take a deep breath and try to be respectful that people have lots of different opinions and perspectives um and try to be able to engage in something that i have an instinct to get angry about and try to be able to engage not from a place of anger um I also think that it is important because we're in the, the Star Wars talking world that uh, how we talk about Star Wars is important. And I honestly feel like that's almost a bigger picture than anything Abrams actually said. Yeah. Is this is a story about how we talk about Star Wars.
5: <laughs> yeah.
6: yeah. And I think it's important to to talk about how we talk about Star Wars
5: (laughs) yeah, and how we phrase it and just being aware, you know, the, my, the example, we, we did a a very fun uh, Star Wars ranked this past week and fun because it was about death. So I don't know how fun it can be, but uh, we, we ranked our favorite Star Wars deaths. And and one of the honorable mentions one is a great example of how I kind of approach it. And that's the death of, of Val, a character I love, a moment I love. I really love that moment, what it means, what it means, story, how she went out, but I, I can't bury my head in the sand on the bigger conversations around that death or around that character, uh, around the uh, diversity conversations, uh, uh, female character, person, of color character, all those kind of things that came out of that thing. Um, if I don't engage with those, then I'm not doing myself a, a, a services as a Star Wars fan to understand the big picture. But I also want to be able to maintain my joy and appreciation and, and, and the things I find in that moment and knowing that both kind of have to uh, co- coincide. And, and, and understanding the big picture and then taking that to our airwaves and taking that to, again, how you say, how we discuss it, um, is, is, is one of the better, be, not better, but like, that's my own personal, like where I go to of just, man, I love that moment. Oh gosh, I see what other people are saying. And then just yeah. build from there.
6: Yeah. And I think, I think that is maybe a, the, the best way to say what is the value of talking about these kinds of, uh, interviews with creators and how do we respond to them and how do they affect our actual enjoyment of the the story is yeah nuance nuance and being able to hold multiple ideas um yeah there was a a thing in a in in that uh john kasdan said about solo about like why one of the moments is there and i love the moment and the writer said this is why i included it and i just went nah (laughs) (laughs) that's not for me and it can just be both like i know that the writer intended that but i do get to receive the film Yeah, yeah You know, and and that's my choice, how I receive the film. It's, you know, this is not a test and the creators are giving us, you know, the quote unquote answers. You know, we get to receive the story we want to receive the way we want to receive the story. And then to add more complexity and nuance. Yes, it is also uh, important to listen to the creators. And and if it is an issue uh, about Mm -hmm. diversity and representation, that's that can be really important. and, And we do need to listen to both. And be able to, as you just said about Val, hold both. I love that moment. I understand that there's some real problems with that moment. And both of those things can be true.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy. And sometimes you just want to talk about the pew, 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 because that's probably why we all showed up. But literally, (laughs) why we all, all of us, all of us fans, all generations, all different backgrounds uh, showed up. And that's part of what we do discuss in here. Final, gosh, this is long. I know, I know, Joseph, I know. But uh, what about I know. Is is, is, it, is this questioning the creators just inherent to Star Wars and probably all filmmaking, but, but, but man, Star Wars spe- uh, specifically, I'm going back to Empire Strikes Back with <laughs> how horrible this was. Special editions. I still know people who are like, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I refuse to watch the special edition. <laughs> uh, OK, that's again how you receive them choice. There's definitely some things I don't like in them either, but they exist. And and why wouldn't you want to engage them? Or, of course, the biggest one. The prequels, which may have run George out of some of it. Definitely uh, Katie Lucas was like packing my bags and I'm out of this world. (laughs) And that's just 2010 or 11. So is it just inherent? And we just got to find, navigate those waters.
6: I think so. I think that is one of the uh, the magic things about Star Wars. It so invites us all into the world and and the stories are the starting point, but you know they become such a part of our lives and so i think we have our individual relationships and we have um ideas about what the thing is and that passion uh you know it, it uh, Obi Wan sitting on Ghost Log sitting returning the Jedi like you know your, your feelings do you credit, <laughs> yeah. but they all they also could be made to serve the Emperor and that's sometimes like how I feel about it. Of it's beautiful that we all feel feel such a personal relationship, yeah. but the dark side of that is we can really question the creators when they make a choice that we don't like.
5: Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap that one up there. Uh, we did we uh, did we did a <laughs> we, don't
6: we did it. We, to- we did a short discussion of that one piece of news.
5: We uh, we had some thoughts. Final quick news. I didn't want to, I was almost thought about just tossing this one up, up top, but I think this <laughs> is a good way to, to add. The Star Wars digital team won big at the Telly Awards. What are the Telly Awards? There's always an award show that you're learning about, and this one's been around for 42 years, uh, recognizing the best in uh, all screens. Um, they took a lot of uh, awards in uh, uh, our Star Wars stories, which was a great series. Won uh, gold for non-broadcast general diversity inclusion. Silver for branded content. Uh, bronze branded content, DNI, lot of great things. Jedi Temple Talent uh, Challenge, silver for non-broadcast general children's audience, uh, bronze for branded content children's audience. Star Wars show. Uh, the uh, silver and uh, awards for non broadcast, uh, general and a branded co- uh, content general as also, uh, their coverage of star Wars celebration. Chicago took a bronze for live event coverage, uh, and live experiences and use of this is my the, the brand. They won a bronze award in the branded content craft use of stock footage, which is the star Wars, the animal strike back, which was, <laughs> they, they all put together, which is wonderful. Um, uh, I wanted to, those are the awards you can definitely jump in on any of those awards you, you thought uh, deserve some recognition over the other ones, Joseph, there. But I uh, I love this idea because I wanted to talk a little bit here about the importance of the Star Wars digital presence and team in this modern age of Star Wars fandom. Maybe some of our favorite things in that world, Joseph.
6: Yeah, I think the, particularly the the shows that that won these awards, there's a bunch of great uh Great shows, and, and I'm not even entirely clear on on what all is eligible for the Telly Awards, uh, but I think all of these are great examples of shows that build community. You know, we we're just talking about how Star Wars does start as the stories, uh, but it does build out to our, you know, just a community of people who engage with the stories in lots of different ways, from cosplay to action figure collecting to everything else. And these shows really build build that community in a positive way. Jedi temple challenge in particular was just such a, a great bit of summer fun in a year that deeply needed uh, yeah. some summer fun. And just a, a really, uh, I mean, it's in the most complimentary way, a simple direct way to celebrate some core star Wars themes and just have fun with star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I know there were awards for star Wars show at celebration in particular, you know, and yeah. uh, when you're talking about community, the Star Wars show, you know, had already set up like we are a, we are a place that's going to have a sense of fun and whimsy and, and joy about Star Wars. We're also reporting news and interviewing people. But to to be at celebration and to be in this like literal sea of community and then to see these kind of friendly faces that, you know, up on the stage, you know, interviewing and <laughs> firing T-shirt cannons. Yeah. It's just all about community. It's acknowledging the truth that these aren't just stories. There's an entire community built up around it. And we want to encourage that community to have a sense of fun and joy and discovery.
5: Uh, Well said, sir, you you captured the spirit of my question and what I was was hoping to get at it. Just um, in this modern age, as, as you know, you and I talk, maybe a little bit of uh, some of the downside uh, with some of the Abrams conversation and what can happen in the dark side of it here. Let's always uh, go towards the light because it's there. And this is this, this, jedi council jedi alliance uh, uh um uh, you and i uh, launching uh, force center with jennifer in 2015 uh and a lot of uh, the other uh, star wars minute our pals over there uh, you know coffee with kenobi I, I could start listening to all these podcasts that have been around for a long time and um it's it was imp- it was very smart and i remember when star wars show launched i remember when it launched and this is you know i'm over here working at like defy and and uh you know i remember initially kind of um scenes the first episode and they, 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 they said something about, uh, you know, it's Andy Gutierrez and, and Peter Townley at the time saying, Hey, this is the only star Wars YouTube show that actually is like from star Wars. And they said, I, I, I took a little, not offense, but I was just like, what? I had a <laughs> swipe at some of the stuff, uh, you know, I've, I've been and and, and, and in a way I was like, and I was talking about with the development guy at divide and he's like, yeah, that's they should. And I was like, know, yeah, no, you're right. They should put their flagpole in this world because everything's changing dramatically around it. And I think this is a, They've done constantly mm-hmm. that team there, and uh, you and I occasionally will run into like Scott Bromley, uh, the producer over there, with the the Star Wars show guy. I mean, he, he he's he's so in this world, and 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 has made it made it bigger. The the f- not just seem bigger than it is, but reflected how big it is. Going from Celebration 2015 to Chicago, I think they're a part of that growth because they broadcast to the world about look at this fandom, look at this community. We are all one as Star Wars fans, and eh, I'm glad to see them get this recognition in this modern
6: era. Yeah, well said. I think it is uh, smart for them to be in the business of uh, celebrating
5: the community. Mm -hmm. And I think they do a great job. They absolutely do. So uh, congratulations on all the big win at the Telly Awards. Congratulations to J.J. Abrams on the 10th anniversary of Super 8. All right. Uh, Before we take a break, we're going to recommend an audio book for all of you to try out on us. Joseph, what do we have this week?
6: That's right. After talking a lot about light and hope, we're recommending Dark Disciple by Christy (laughs) Golden, uh, which I I say jokingly because that is a book that does, man, if you like the sharp contrast between the dark and the light, this is a book that really celebrates it. Uh, And I was just thinking about the book and how much I enjoyed it. So I thought that's the one I'd recommend. Dark Disciple by Christy Golden.
5: Love it. I love it. Check it out. Download your free audiobook today. I go to Audibletrial.com slash Four Center. Again, that's Audibletrial.com slash Four Center for your free audio book. All right, we're gonna take a break, clear the palette, and come back and answer your questions here on 4Center. Welcome back to Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar star of our fleet, episode three twenty-seven. And you know, Joseph, we should point out we're about two months away from our 1,000th total broadcast here on Force Center. So we got a couple ideas planned for that. Some stuff we're cooking up. Uh, But uh, wow, those numbers just keep growing, Joseph. It is amazing how it adds up when you do multiple shows a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How it it really took off when we were like, should we just start? Should we just do four shows a week now? Yeah, let's. Do, let's do it. <laughs> Why not? You know, let's go for it. But yeah. yeah but at the same time, it's been six years, so there you go. Uh, Joseph, one of the reasons we are still around and we're still doing the show and and have uh, have fun doing it is our, our our listeners, our four center friends, and we get some great questions this week from them.
6: Yes, absolutely. Got some very, very fun ones from Twitter and our patrons on Patreon. As always, we're going to go first to Twitter. This comes from Joe Becker. Uh, Joe says, would you watch a Disney Plus miniseries on the rise and fall of Greedo? I sure as hell would. Hashtag the Greedo cut. (laughs) I like the idea that maybe the Greedo cut is a version of uh, a new hope that Greedo himself has recut. uh, So maybe he survives. I don't know. Uh, but a, a great, a great hashtag, the Greedo cut. Maybe there's some deeper meaning. I, I don't know. But a great question. Uh, Ken, this is so fun because, you know, we've talked a lot about it. It has been a longstanding joke for years now about with the Star Wars stories now with Disney Plus that every minor character in Star Wars ever is going to is going to get a show. Uh, there's been jokes about that. And then there's actual passion about minor characters who might actually have a, a good story in them. So how do you feel about Greedo? Do you think he does have a story in him? Would you watch The Rise and Fall of Greedo?
5: I sure as hell would, too. I'd be right there with you, Joe. Uh, yes, I, I love this idea. I love this for a lot of care. You and I keep going back to that, and I and I think you, you helped make that gonk droid uh, joke on Screen jokes, right? That, that I did, yeah. Work. Uh, give me that. Look at what Gonky's doing in Bad Batch. I want a Droid <laughs> movie, so I'll, I'll take all your snark out there, uh, world, especially back in 2015, 2016, and I'll celebrate it. And Greta would uh, it'd be interesting because you could do something that's uh, a little cheeky, a little fun, that's standalone, that we're not so worried about canon, make it an ESPN 30 for 30 style doc on Greedo's life. Um, there's a lot there. going. I'm saying go, go the way back all the way back to the deleted scene from Phantom Menace. Him and Anakin fighting, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and take all the stuff from some, from a certain point of view. Some, so it, it got a little wild, a little crazy, but take some of the highlights, put it all down, and even Clone War stuff. You know, this is a he tries hard, he just never does well. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that story.
6: Yeah, and in, uh, in the uh, from a certain point of view, a new Hope book. There's multiple chapters uh, devoted to Greedo's <laughs> just screwing things up, right? Oh, it's just uh, a poor guy. Yeah, there's a couple things that I think are legitimately fascinating about this. I think a lot of the minor characters do have like these interesting ideas embedded in them. So for me, it is like uh, when I get excited about something like the rise and fall of Greedo, it's because, yeah, it could not work. But I can see the potential of what idea is embedded in this character. And I think the fascinating idea that's embedded in Greedo is the sad sack bounty hunter, uh, the person who wants to be. a a badass who has, you know, grown up on on the mean streets of Mos Espa and thinking this is the way to, to, you know, to be somebody Mm. is to be a badass and just could never quite pull it together. That's a really interesting story to me. You know, if it's a Disney plus, uh, you know, live action, if it's an animated movie, it's a a comic book. Uh, I think there's a power in the sad
5: sack bounty hunter. (laughs) That's the best, that's the best statement ever. The power, of the sad sack bounty hunter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, no, it, cause you mentioned the, 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 from a certain point of view stuff, there's, there's a lot in the cantina as there should be in the, in that book, but there's a lot of the Greedo stuff. It really starts hammering home just how much of a sad sack he is that I started rooting for him in a weird <laughs> way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you're like, ah, can't
6: this guy just get a win by brutally killing someone? Wait, what am I rooting for? Yeah. Killing Han.
5: Yeah. So I, I, uh, Joe, there's absolutely something there.
6: There's there is room also, I think, in may, many people might not like this, which I totally understand, but to really reframe the moment in, in a new hope, because he's not being a particularly smart bounty hunter in that moment no. of like, I tracked you down to a place that it's not surprising that you'd be hanging out, Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a blaster on you. And like, the Greedo, there's, there's no way that you could have thought that this might not go well for you. Like, yeah. what point of desperation was he at at that point? I'm, you know? Yeah,
5: the idea that you tra- I tracked you down at the bar you're always at and I'm always at. I- I just
6: turned around you have to be yeah no, there's a lot there. A lot. Yeah. Uh the other thing I'll, I will say that this uh this made me imagine is I am excited at some point uh for there to be a more featured alien character, you know, mm. in live action. Um Right. And I think that uh the Mandalorian has taken huge steps by having for long stretches of episodes uh, a person in a helmet and a puppet and they make it work nearly a human face to be seen anywhere and they've made it work so it's exciting to think of getting to that point where an alien that's as alien as a Rodian like greedo could could be the lead in a show
5: hey you know what you mentioned that chapter 10 uh the the, the infamous and famous frog lady episode i mean yeah right ain't, ain't a human face around other than the carson tevin the x-wing uh sequence yeah get frog lady series i think you'd get a lot of people behind it and you talked about it, wanting more of that character last week. oh yeah Hashtag the frog lady cut for
6: sure. There you go. Uh, Moving on to our next question then from David Stevens. Uh, David says, has the initial promise of a joined up Star Wars canon incorporating movies, TV, comics, and books been irreparably damaged by the first episode of the bad batch? Are some of the media now devalued? Uh, This is of course uh, referencing something that we've, uh, we've talked about a little bit when we're uh, reviewing bad batch, but I wanted to take it here on our main news and queue show. Uh, if anybody is not caught up, the first episode of The Bad Batch uh, featured a sequence of Order 66 in which uh, Depa Balaba, the master of Caleb Doom, Kanan Jarrus, is, uh, is killed, sadly, in Order 66. This is an event that had already been depicted in a comic book series about Kanan, and there were a great many similarities, but there were some differences. So, uh, Ken, with that in mind... Uh how do you feel about this do you feel like there is is damage to this idea of interconnected
5: canon So I I really don't and I, I don't think it's definitely an air re, repairable damage uh for me but I really understand where this question comes from David and, and others who ask it you go back to 2014 and a lot of people hold to uh, an announcement I, I do even believe it was Kathleen Kennedy said it you know that name ignites no controversy um <laughs> about hey, we are in April 2014 what is old is gone and we're building new and, and here's the things that're gonna keep going as far as canon and 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 there therefore a lot of value was placed on the comics and, and the books and, and um, supplemental material and as well as the movies, rebels and then the idea that hey, somehow the plan is that it's all connected. And I understand if you go back to that point and and that's where maybe the spirit of some, I'm not saying this is necessarily David's thoughts, but maybe the spirit of this kind of question that we, we've we've got before or more, we've got more bar conversations, you know, a hotel lobby bar <laughs> kind of stuff comes up. Uh, I've had discussions with Alex Damon recently off air. Uh, his whole life is canon, you know, but he's, I think, even had a bit of a change. And Alex, if you're listening, I'm not speaking for you either, but just like. It's the spirit of the story works for me more. And I don't think it's the same as EU stuff. You and I weren't as invested in the EU as others. We've talked about that a lot, but I understood. I have friends very upset that tales of Jabba's Palace doesn't mean anything anymore to them um, in in a way. But I, I, I still think those stories are there. I still think you can have that. And that's a very kind of you know, uh, spiritual look. Hey, if you like something from 1997 in a novel, it's still there for you to enjoy. It just might not factor into the story overall. I know that's not a, that's a tougher sell. So in, in specific to the stuff here, even this recently Mochi versus uh, the idea of Patessa, Patissa, or, or, you know, what's going on with the Rancors as a Jabba's palace, uh, even that's has co- brought up that conversation. Uh, I, I just don't think it's devaluing it uh, because I don't think this the, the the I think the spirit of everything is still there. If they were to come out and say the three aftermath books did not happen, it's not a, we're kicking it out of canon, then it, that's a different conversation. They're not doing that. They're saying hey, there's all the things Cobb vanth hey yeah here's our, here's Cobb vanth. here's a little little different. You know, the background, the name's a little different, but it's still there. It's still there. And we still recognize it. That's why I don't think it's devalued.
6: Yeah, I I think you said a lot of great things. I think this is really, for me, about a little bit of a, you know, your focus determines your reality uh, thing. And I do understand where people like David are absolutely coming from. I feel like that announcement when everything was relaunched was a sort of invitation to say, if you invest in the books and the comics, that stuff is all going to be things that truly did happen. And if you really enjoy reading books and comics, and you're the kind of fan, like I am, who like thinking, oh, now when I'm uh, watching uh, Rise of Skywalker, I'm going to imagine that moment where uh, Poe, where Finn demanded to wear uh, the Resistance Rebellion insignia, even when he was undercover, because he was that all in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. On and that's a, a detail from the book but when I'm watching the movie I can think about that detail and it can be meaningful to how all in to uh, the beliefs of the resistance that Finn is uh, so I, I really do get that it feels like uh, we, we, we were invited to invest fully mm-hmm. um, but my perspective is very much uh, what you're saying Ken is that Uh, you you've had the great turn of phrase of emotional canon
5: Mm.
6: and for me none of the changes have been they've changed details of events or details of characters they haven't changed the existence of the event they haven't changed the existence of the character for me the emotional canon hasn't changed and that's what i'm most invested in so that helps me not be concerned that that something's going to change um I also think it's important to to say and and remember that if you enjoyed a version of a story, you can always enjoy that story. Mm-hmm. Um, that version is always there to enjoy. Uh, I think if you enjoyed the the version of Order Sixty Six, Canaan's uh, connection to Order Sixty Six, that that version is always there. It's it's not wiped out. You can you know watch that or read that version and enjoy it. I do think going forward, I think it's fine to approach the comics and the books with, uh, well, uh, this event happened, but maybe the details are, this is a different telling of the details. And maybe someday on the screen uh, we'll get a different event. I kind of like that because I feel like it's mythic. I feel like it's almost like a, a real life thing, right? Where yeah. um, maybe, maybe you, you're new to a friend group and, there's some cataclysmic event that happened in the friend group 10 years ago. Right. And they tell you about, you know, the incident when we were doing theater in Montana and you hear about it from one person and you're like, yep, I that's, and then that's what happened. And then you hear about it from another person. And then you start to realize absolutely for sure. The theater incident in Montana happened (laughs) between this friends group, but what exactly happened in what order is you know kind of the thing of myth storytelling and storytelling and remembrance. and that's the way I like this of like Deppa Balaba died in order 66 and, and Kanan felt these things and, and reacted this way. Uh, but the details are a little bit different depending on which storyteller you ask. and I I like being okay with that because then it, it stops me from being uh, it, it allows me to enjoy more of the storytelling and not worry about it.
5: Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's the spirit man emotional canon taught for me even back in the day. And look, even in my own life's canon, uh, you were present for my engagement uh, proposal situation there, Joseph. And like, uh, I got a date wrong. <laughs> Grace later had to pull out some calendars and go, no, our, our first date was on this day. And I had fought against that. I was like, no, no, it was definitely this date. And she was like, no. And then she offered some evidence I couldn't refute. So even my own canon is a legend. <laughs> And when you
6: invited me to the party, you told me it was all going to be canon. Yes. And frankly, I just I don't enjoy uh, your engagement now.
5: <laughs> uh, a couple of, beats of this, I don't want to belabor this too long. Two big watershed moments for me. A lot of this, too. And I'm, again, not saying Dave, this is a great question. So we always want to make sure we're not speaking for the person that the question here. Um, a lot of it to me uh, comes down to sometimes Star Wars is so at times based in trivia and what you know on Star Wars about Star Wars is in what you can answer. And that's not just recently. And Joseph and I have a lot of fun over the years competing in, in like Schmodown, stuff like that bar trivia the the dragon Troncon Con uh, Star Wars trivia, huge. <laughs> like that goes back to our youth and goes back to just our studying of Star Wars trivia was just because we watched empire 13 times on a weekend. And so you know, some of the stuff. And so there's a lot of times I felt, that, and the big example I'll go is is Owen Lars being Obi Wan's brother, uh, Novel novelization fact um, that Obi Wan says, Hey, I took you to live with my brother. And I remember reading that. I'm seven and eight. I'm like, Oh, wow. And that's something I would tell people. And I'd tell people, and, and you know, and I try not to be smug about it, but I cover, oh, you know, that's that's Obi Wan's brother. And here I'm like, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old. And then I moved to LA, 1999. Eh, prequels start coming out. And it turns out that wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> I felt embarrassed I felt like I've been lying <laughs> And so that way, it might be why I got a little grumpy about it And so hey When you can separate a little bit of that and I'm not, Again not saying that's all of it I'm not saying that I love the Kanan version In the comics of, of the Order 66 stuff I just I think sometimes I personally feel Even the Patisa I love that it's Patissa That it's this male Rancor that Malachi Says he was connected to but Patisa means friend. It could translate to something else. Uh, you know, Mochi is a female. Do we know that Rancors can't uh switch genders or anything that we don't know any of these facts. <laughs> we don't know them. And is it is it Patisa's mom is I got to assume Jabba job, collected a lot of Rancors. So in fact even in aftermath but uh, talks about Patisa being one of the Rancors. So, uh just, you know, check your uh, your fact ego at the door. And the final one, sorry for me. Also, no, no. Uh, when this was it, you were correct. We were invited to think this. And being on Jedi Alliance and we're Jedi Council, we're mentioning those sh- shows a lot today because we're talking about some of the past and the last few years of the digital media world around Star Wars. You got it, man. And theories were fun. And I was assigned videos to do about who is raised parents, who are raised parents. Like I was assigned those videos. That was my work. Show up today, 9 a.m. meeting. Can you're doing this today. Whether I wanted to or not, I did it. But I had fun. And I remember when Battlefront 2 came out and the idea of Aiden Versio and Del Mico being raised parents was not just floated. It was like, we must all consider that. I'm just talking about my job, but just the fan. This <laughs> is probably what it's true. And I remember thinking, how silly of it would it be for this franchise to put this big question in a video game that even though it's video games are big sellers and big industry, most of the fans aren't going to watch. And how in episode eight, if suddenly... We're like oh your parents were Iden Versio and Del Mico and the collective theater going huh <laughs> I remember thinking I'm gonna have to let go of some of these connection ideas <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah and there's lots of little fun things buried and there's emotional things yeah I love uh Obi-Wan uh Kenobi so you know I love in Master and Apprentice uh, where he uh, he has an encounter that makes him not enjoy flying as much anymore but feel more connected to uh yeah to speed when he's on an organic uh, animal uh, like a varacta like yeah that's a great bit uh, of canon and, and it is fun to go like oh yeah that's that's uh, true from a certain point of view uh but i want to keep the from a certain point of view so i think i think that ultimately m- my answer uh, for david and other people who feel this way is i think it is something that each each star wars fan gets to decide for themselves i think the, the reality of of Star Wars storytelling right now is, I think, the events and probably the emotions around them that are established in books and comics, I think, are always going to have happened. Mm. But there is a clear, clear willingness to change the details uh, in the screen version of the story. And I think it's totally fine for fans to say, OK, I, I get that. I'm OK with that. And I think it's totally fine for fans to go, no, I, I really want everything to be united and if it isn't then you know knowing that and stepping away from the comics in the books I think is is understandable because I think that is the truth of what is Star Wars storytelling right now is the emotional canon seems locked, but the details might change.
5: Yeah, look, I get it. If you're emotionally connected to a story, it's harder. It's I have I have some beats in the comics I can't let go of. I'm also staring at a stack at the current bounty hunter run. I might buy a gerbil just to line the cage with them. That's the way it goes sometimes. <laughs>
6: <laughs> a strong opinion. There you go. Great question, David. And uh, we hope that that you can. Uh, uh, still enjoy uh, a Bad Batch and the Kanan comic, but everybody does have to uh, find their own way forward with the old Star Wars storytelling. But thank you for the really great, thoughtful question. Move on to uh, questions from our patrons on Patreon. Uh, Tim Langell says, if your first car was a vehicle in Star Wars, what would it have been? I mean this both as what would your real world first vehicle transform into in the Star Wars universe? And if you were a character in the Star Wars universe, what would your first vehicle be? Mm. All right. This is going to be fun is in real life. You and I had the same first vehicle,
5: right? It's crazy. Ford <laughs> Fairmont specifically. I had an 81 Ford Fairmont, maybe 82. It's hard to tell. You had the same era. Wow.
6: Uh, yeah. I had, a, I had a 78 and a 79. There was, the Ford Fairmont was both my first and second car.
5: Wow. I just had the one. God bless you, sir. You stuck with it. I love that. Yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, my dad was trying to, you know, teach me how everything works and, and, you know, learned, uh, you know, a lot about the Ford Fairmont. And my dad, you know, uh, bless him, even even when he was much younger, he was already a middle-aged man yelling at a cloud. (laughs) He's like, this is a car you can still take apart. You know what all the pieces are. You don't have to go in and ask him about a computer thing. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, the when the first Ford Fairmont started to, to break down, we just emptied its guts. <laughs> and my dad was like, and now we'll have replacement parts for your next Ford Fairmont. And it worked for a while. It's the best.
5: It's the best.
6: Yeah. So, anyway, this is not Ford Fairmont Center, but we are going to talk about Ford Fairmont's, Uh I always describe that car. This is a very dated reference of every car you ever saw crash on the TV show Chips. It was just like, it, it was, was a car car it
5: was like you asked a five-year-old to draw a car that was the ford fairmont right so that i had the white it was the white with the brown leather top and the red and the crushed red interior and not in a good way (laughs) yeah and i
6: I had a a gray one and then i had a blue one a really nice blue one the blue one had like the the
5: leather bench seats that's so great oh i could slide probably pleather yeah i could slide across those seats oh my gosh um yeah, and I, I mentioned a few times that i mentioned recently because my, my friend who re- recently passed away, uh, my friend Gavin, he was my Chewbacca. I was on Solo, and I, I started naming that car the Millennium Fairmont, which explained a lot about my high school years. Uh, good, and bad. <laughs> But um, so, yeah, so I have that. But I got to be honest, Joseph, it, it is it was nowhere near as glorious as the Falcon. Now, as you could attest, those uh, the the uh, the back, uh, the you know, pop the hatch in the back, the trunk, it, you could. You could hide in there and smuggle spice if you needed to. It was huge, like oh yeah, you could fit Chewy and Alec Guinness yeah. in there, no problem. Indeed. So, but I, my 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 Fairmont, though named Millennium Fairmont, would not be. It was nowhere as glorious as the Falcon. It was more of like an outrider or any kind of uh, like YT <laughs> kind of cruiser that was not, you know, in the background of some EU poster where you're like, well, that's almost the Falcon.
6: Yeah. Well, the Falcon, the Falcon connection was, uh, I thought about it that way as well, because the taillights are, are really big on Ford Fairmonts, uh, uh, you know, and they yeah. do kind of look like the taillights on the Falcon. They really do. Um, and I, I i was thinking about, do I want to say the Falcon? Like, no, because I think the honesty is like, you know, Han Solo's line about, you know, she might not look like much, but she's got it where she counts. Like, my car looks cool. It doesn't really have it where it counts, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> did not have it where it counts by the time uh you know i was always working to keep the the ford fairmont alive and every time i drove it was like well i might make it where i'm going yep um so if the ford if my ford fairmont's turned into a vehicle in star wars i think it would be like the crappy mini rig toy version of the falcon ah. it would be like something trying to be the falcon but not yeah. the falcon same same uh, so if you were a character in Star Wars, uh, what would your, your first actual Star Wars vehicle be to the second part of Tim's question?
5: Yeah, re- regardless of what I am, and I've joked before, but I'd be a grizzled bartender. Or I've, I've even created a character that was like a, 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 a robe maker on Coruscant to open up a business and, and uh, you know, maybe get the Jedi coming and buying the robes. Regardless of what I am, bounty hunter, isn't that a, I definitely would want a Razor Crest type of gunship. Not for and the Razor grass is, I think, collectively or for center one of our favorite designs. You and I both love it. A lot of people yeah. love it. We were heartbroken of what happened to it. Um, it's not so much of how cool that is. It is that it is kind of an armed Volkswagen van. And I also grew up in those. <laughs> I think I'd want to go around the galaxy with a good place to pop up a tent and sleep. Uh, a little refrigerator in them. ours had a <laughs> ours no seatbelts but had a refrigerator in it. Um, and I think that's what I would look for. A Razorcrest type van.
6: Oh, that's great. Yeah, because the Razorcrest really is like you got a refresher in there. You got a little sleeping bunk. You got a little heater for your food. Yeah, you could absolutely just go bombing around. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the, yeah. I think if I was a character, I think the honest thing is I would have a broken uh, land speeder or or air speeder. Like, but I think it would definitely be broken if it was my first vehicle because mm. I think I would have had to get it for cheap. And I think if it was like a, a land speeder. It probably wouldn't go over forty five miles an hour, and it would take me really long places to get there. Or mm. If I was on Coruscant and I had like a an air speeder, I think it would be broken in a way that like it, it wouldn't be. It would only be able to go to a, a certain elevation. Would mm. <laughs> be like, oh, is the the party on that level? I can't go because my my car. <laughs> my speeder dies if i go that to that level i got i can go to these levels and lower
5: <laughs> love that oh love that
6: great question tim uh, we're gonna wrap up with a final question here from dan dan says joseph and ken i love the traditions that are carried through the star wars movies the last jedi is my favorite of the sequel trilogy but after my first viewing i was slightly bummed that it seemed to omit uh two of these traditions The first was rectified when Ryan Johnson revealed that BB-8's beeps in the opening scene translate to, I have a bad feeling about this. The second, though, I can't find an answer for, and that's the scene with a monster. Every Star Wars movie has a scene where one or more of the heroes are up against a monster threat. Even the Mandalorian is chock full of them. Maybe I'm just missing it and you can help me. I thought maybe the sea monster race spots would be it, uh, but there never ended up being a threat there. The best I got is Kylo Ren, since Ray specifically calls him a monster, <laughs> and he openly admits that he is. I don't think that counts, though, he says. Uh, can you think uh, of one that I'm missing, and what are your thoughts on this tradition and Star Wars traditions in general? Uh, then uh, he adds, in parentheses, uh, after thinking through, I don't believe Ren- Revenge of the Sith has a monster either. I was thinking of the Ractal Obi-Wan rides, but it never poses a threat to him. No, Boga doesn't. Uh, Am I missing one here, too? Or maybe it's not an all-inclusive tradition after all. So Dan went on a great journey there, uh, talking about traditions in Star Wars, but specifically uh, the tradition of our heroes being menaced by a monster. Let's start there, Ken. Uh, Is that an important tradition to you? Do you like the tradition of our characters being menaced by a big, scary
5: monster? Uh, Yes, I, I would never... Count that as a tradition. Not that it's not. I'm just saying in my own personal journey, if you were to ask me about those fun Star Wars traditions, I got a bad feeling about this. Uh, Wilhelm screams, which is also just a a movie tradition, though uh, the Star Wars folks said, "Eh, we're going to start using another sound. I was a little bummed by that. I was like, no, I need one stormtrooper going "Ah," every time. That's a horrible Wilhelm scream, by the way. Um, The monster one, I just never would focus on because I think I see that more as the serial adventure uh, tradition. Mm-hmm. Sci fi, uh, campy sci fi side of it. I, I still think Star Wars is fantasy first, sci fi, maybe even third uh, or, or, or lower. But so I, I put into that bucket and not specific. So I'm not necessarily looking for that one as much. But I, I, I think Dan's right. I think it's there. I think it's present. Last Jedi might have some. From- from, from a certain point of view, Mon- Chewie is a monster against Porgs. The Porgs could be a monster <laughs> against Ray. And, and uh, uh, there, uh, she, re- I'll tell you what, raised the monster against our hero, the caretakers. Uh, There's it, it a lot of that uh, going on as well in that movie, um, if I'm remembering everything correctly. Fod- yeah, you Fod- father are a monster turned hero. You know, you're tr- you're supposed to you're a little scared at first and then our heroes conquer the day with them. So,
6: yeah. And, and free them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I think when I think of the traditions, I think, you know, I've got a bad feeling about this in the Wilhelm scream, um, which were the ones that, you know, for a long time were constant. Uh, both of them now are, are being given a rest because they are so well known. I think they're kind of taking people out of the moment. Uh, they're not you know fun easter eggs anymore they're (laughs) loud blaring easter eggs so both of those you know we're we're starting to take a a step away from uh i've always thought of the monsters as uh something like you know a severed hand (laughs) you know um or a ship starting up and then uh and then falling and not you know uh not powering up all the way like uh and i think i agree with you entirely ken i think star wars comes from such a You know, pulp adventure tradition, and one of those traditions uh, pulled from both science fiction and sort of a epic sword and sorcery fantasy is the the giant beast, or uh, sometimes the several creepy little beasts around your feet, almost like the Dianoga. Like Mm. that tradition is so from uh, pulp, from comics, from adventure serial, from genre itself that the monster is one of those that uh, appears often, but not always. and I don't think there is one in Last Jedi. I think the quote, I would say the Thalassiren. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I think a Rey is emotionally menaced uh, by the Thalassiren.
5: taunted, if you will.
6: <laughs> that look on her face when the Thalassiren looked at her and snorts and the spittle comes flying out. Yeah. <laughs> uh Yeah, and I think it is a real choice. This is in no way a criticism of Last Jedi. I appreciate that different Star Wars movies are different, uh, but there's all these ingredients that go into a Star Wars movie or a Star Wars story of any kind, a 22-minute episode of the Ewoks cartoon back in the 80s, uh, all sorts of ingredients that go in there. And I just think the, the pulp adventure is less of a focus in last Jedi. And I think Mm. not having a scene of being menaced by a monster, like it is the, uh, the cover Mm. (laughs) of an old pulp magazine is, uh, is one of those things where it's just, it's dialed down a little bit. It's there. Uh, It's still absolutely a pulp adventure, but it's just not as big of a focus.
5: Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair on that part of the ingredient. And and regarding the the BB eight, um, I got a bad feeling about this, which gives us the the great Happy Beeps, uh, Happy Beeps uh, buddy uh, uh, line and, and, and inspired the title of Jennifer Landis' show here on Four Center. Go If you want to check out the back, is- uh, back issues uh, like a comic shop on the back episodes, go do it. Um, I, I was one of the ones when I came out of the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, no one said I've got a bad feeling about this and was initially disappointed that it was BB-8. Now it's it's perhaps my favorite one.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And I like starting to see uh, if they're going to be included, seeing twists on them. I like that K2SO gets interrupted. Right. I like in Solo that Hans got a good feeling about this when we know he probably shouldn't. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So uh, to answer the last part of uh, of Dan's great question, is there another tradition that isn't in always, ways, uh, but is one of the many traditions of Star Wars that you really like, Ken?
5: Um... I don't know. For me, for it's it's it can't be all the movies, but I love that uh, Han Han's ideas fail a lot, and then he has to get <laughs> through them and find a way. Like I, I love in Force Awakens that he's just like, I don't know. We're just gonna come out of hyperspeed real close to the planet and crash land. And see what happens. <laughs> just it's a Han tradition that I like. It's such, such such a character. Um, so there's things like that, uh, you know. But it, it's interesting as we start getting into uh, where some of those characters. Um, aren't around, including 3POR2 or any of those, and we start High Republic and stuff like that, what new traditions will emerge and what will grab me?
6: Yeah, I, I think for me, uh, I'll just go with the tradition of uh, many, many things fall down shafts on Star in Star Wars. Uh, yeah. Certainly uh, uh, people fall from high places a lot, but shafts in particular, uh, it, now even in the, uh, the comics, there's a lot of people collecting things. Yeah, (laughs) from the bottom of shafts it's one of those those jokes but it is a pulp tradition of look just if if there's any large shaft check the bottom because you might have a hand you might have a saber you might even have a blaster you might have a whole sith lord a half a sith lord (laughs) you never know what you're going to find in the bottom of a shaft in star wars and i like that
5: tradition Uh, i think that's a great one i think that's great (laughs)
6: great questions everybody thank you Dan Tim David and Joe those are our questions Ken
5: those are our questions and that is our episode for today we got a deep dive coming on Thursday bad bad report later in the week and a special uh, Sunday shows. we always uh, try to put out Star Wars ranks spotlight Star Wars or something else uh, we want to let you know where you can find us we're on Twitter at Force Center Pod we're on Instagram and YouTube as well we're having fun kind of rebroadcasting episodes on YouTube we'll always uh, take a swing over there and do some other things as well but you can catch episodes over there as well. Uh, Facebook page is Force Center Podcasts. We're available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon M- Music, TuneIn, and Stitcher, and Spotify. A lot of S's at the end there. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center and patreon.com slash Force Center is where you can support us directly. Uh, from there, you get access to our Discord. So we uh, I started a new thing this week on the fly, Joseph. Just woke up with a stiff cuff, a cup of coffee and, and decided we're going to do a character of the week over there. So uh, All right. I'm going to post a character every Monday before, uh, which is our record day here on Force Center, and then just all through the week, uh, to post uh, what you like about the character, a meme, a, a joke, uh, your hopes for the character. This week, we're focusing on Tora doza from Star Wars Resistance. So that's in the Discord. You get there through Patreon. Uh, you can find me at Ken Knappsock or go to my website, KenNapsok.com. Uh, also we like to focus on charities i've been highlighting this one i've been working closely with them so uh, that's why i keep mentioning it but the battle buddy foundation at uh, tbbf.org a lot of, I got to get all those uh, letters right. Uh, they are a great organization that uh, raises money uh, and, and pairs veterans with uh, service animals to help them uh, reacclimate to society, to civilian life, life deal with uh, PTSD and a lot of other serious issues and just kind of provide much needed companionship, love and support. And they uh, pay for the animals, train the animals and support the, the animals for the entire uh, Time of their service to that veteran, food, medicine, all those kind of things. And so we're working with them over the Good People Association, so highlighting them now uh, here. Uh, For you, Joseph, what do you have?
6: Yeah, you can find me uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all of my other comedy adventures. And the thing that I would like to highlight once again is the service ResistBot. The service exists in many different forms. Uh, You can text, uh, you can tweet. Uh, I don't even know all the different ways, Uh, but the idea of it is they provide a very simple service, so it's incredibly fast uh, to reach out to your reps at all levels uh, with your opinions. Uh, I think it is important that we all have power and that we all have a voice, and it is a great way to use our power, let our reps know what we care about. So that is uh, ResistBot.
5: Great one indeed. Thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you all for answering uh, big Tough questions, uh, even uh, about modern canon, but also the modern Star Wars coverage. Uh, We enjoy going on a journey with all of you. And as always, Joseph and I and, and Jennifer just want to be here to celebrate Star Wars, but also continue to learn. And and just kind of absorb everyone's uh, love of Star Wars and and help uh, reflect your journey and ours as well. So hopefully, we did that okay today. Uh, we, you know, hot button topics sometimes uh, can get hot button hot button responses, but <laughs> we wanted to touch upon it today. So thank you for letting us do that. We'll see you next time uh, here on Force Center.